is in for the touchdown. Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And, uh, you know, Nick, look, everything, you know, could be over and done with for the Chiefs as far as, as what they need for the playoffs. Look, you, you get a win at Cincinnati, and, and I think, when I was looking at the schedule coming out of the bye, I think other than the Chargers game, you know, Thursday division game on the road, I think this is the one that I circled as the most likely game that the Chiefs would lose if they were going to lose one in the last six games of the season. But look, they're playing some good football. They win this. And if the Dolphins do the Chiefs a favor by beating the Titans, the number one seed's wrapped up and you can take some time off against Denver. So uh, I, I got to imagine that like that's the ideal scenario for the Chiefs, right? Yeah, no, you want you want to get this thing uh you want to get this you want to get this this regular season over with, man. I mean, that's the that's the number one thing. You need to get that done over with and and not mess around with that. So if they can go out there and if they can get that get that W, that's kind of the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, I think at that point it would wrap up. I mean, the worst they could do would be the number 2 seed at that point. So you'd at least be in in good shape um if they win this weekend. So um, you know, then even if you lose the Broncos and the Titans went out, um, you, you know, um, you know, you'd still be fairly well positioned, um, you know, down the stretch, but obviously, um, you gotta be a big dolphins fan this week. I imagine. And look, the dolphins have done the chiefs favors in the past late in the season. So, uh, you gotta hope they can do one again. Yeah. I mean, look, the, Dol- the dolphins are playing good ball. They're playing a lot better ball than people realize. So yeah, one seven in a row. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping people appreciate that and understand kind of like, I mean, it could, it could legitimately happen. We'll see what happens with AJ Brown and Julio Jones. And I mean, I don't, I don't think Derrick Henry's coming back this week. I think it'll be next week, but yeah, no, it's going to be very, very, very intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it could be both games are at noon. So we, you know, we'll know by three 30 where everything stands. Um, I want to start with, uh, Cincinnati's defense though, um, you know, in terms of what it's going to take for the chiefs to pull off that win. And the one thing you, you know, if, if you don't follow at Jacob 71 on Twitter, I, I, I first off, you. how dare you, how dare you not do that? Right, 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 right. First of all, he's very offended. It, it's, you might as well have tried to hug Nick in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, it's equivalent of it. <laughs> um, but this is like, they're not going to let the, like, well, the chiefs don't run the ball well off tackle to begin with, but they're not going to let the chiefs run outside the tackles this week. Are they? The Bengals refuse to let anybody run on them. Like, I mean, that's not, they're not about that life. Like they, they generally have designed this defense to stuff the run and to force teams to have to throw on them. So they can either create turnovers or they can stop the clock, hopefully because of either, um, you know, missed, missed opportunities that create incompletions or you, you get it down the field and then, um, and then they give their offense another chance to go out there and score and try to play a shootout type of game. So, I mean, that's what this defense is designed for. I mean, they don't have, they just don't have the secondary uh, outside of Bates. I just don't think they have the secondary to be able to kind of really have a good compliment overall collectively. And like their defensive lines, just not, it's not one of the more dominant ones in the league. So they kind of sell out to stop the run, and then they just kind of accept kind of what the offense does a lot of the time against them. Yeah, the, the strength of the Chiefs has been to to run between the tackles, and that's the the one place where you can, you know, um, you know maybe you know get those three four yard gains you need to keep stay on schedule for the offense. You worried at all about Joe Tooney though? I mean, he um, you know missed practice Thursday with an illness. Um, doesn't mean he won't be available, but. Um, if he wasn't, is that how concerning is that for what the, you know, the chiefs can do? Do you think for, I mean, the, the only part you're going to kind of wonder about, at least I'm going to wonder about is how they pick up and pass off between Brown and Creed with whoever the new left guard would potentially be, if that ends up being the case. But I mean, you know, at the time we're doing this podcast, it's only Thursday. So I don't necessarily, I mean, until you know, until something happens on Sunday morning that he's not able to play, then I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, it's not, I mean, the, like, the chiefs have a lot of quality depth on the offensive line. 
that's what they built this thing for so that the Super Bowl didn't happen again. So they have a lot of quality depth that they can put at guard, whether it be Allegretti or Wiley. So, I mean, I'm, I'm personally not, you know, I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. And Kyle Long, you know, I mean, there's uh, with, with Niang healthy um, back at right tackle that, that, you know, gives them a few more options with what they would want to do if they did need to, you know, fill in someplace on the interior. Potentially. I mean, we'll, we'll see how the guys who are coming back from COVID, how they're able to handle that and where they're at conditioning wise. Cause I know last week, Andy Reed had a lot of players who'd come off the COVID list. They played half the snaps in the game and some even less than that. So that'll, it'll be something I'm kind of curious to monitor. I know Chris Jones talked about this week in terms of getting back into the condition he was beforehand and Tyreek, you know, Pat Mahomes mentioning Patrick Mahomes mentioning that Tyreek was exhausted, even though he played like 29 of the 65 snaps or so. So yeah. that'll just be something to keep in the back of your mind for, Travis Kelsey, Nick Bolton, Rashad Fenton, and a lot of those guys that they may not be at a true hundred percent. No, but you, you would think that Hill would be healthier than he was last week with another week of conditioning. I mean, assuming that he is not still dealing with any lingering side effects or anything like that, you would expect, you know, a, a week on um, for him to, to be a little bit more involved. You'd hope in the offense than he was last week when he had a couple catches in the opening drive. And then, like you said, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't a factor. Um, you know, Kelsey obviously missed the game. Um, but especially on play action, those two guys could feast, um, anybody else. I mean, you know, what do you see obviously that, you know, because the Bengals focus on, on the, the run as much as they do, that opens up some things, uh, you know, behind, you know, in the intermediate level and potentially deep, depending on, uh, you know, what kind of coverage they're in and, and a given, on a given play. Do you expect that this will be a big game for the passing offense for the Chiefs then? I think it can be. I mean, if they can get the protection and the Bengals don't change a lot up from what they've put on tape this year, I think there's a ton of opportunities for Mahomes to easily have three, 350, 400 yards passing. I mean, it's it's there for the taking. You know, I, don't, I, I mean, we'll see how the game plays out and what the situation and circumstances are. But, I mean, look, I mean, the Bengals, like, they crash hard in the run. Like they crashed really hard in the run. I thought the Chiefs crashed hard in the run this season. Then I watched the Bengals the past five games, and I'm like, yeah, they crashed even harder than the Chiefs early on in the season. So it, you know, I I think that there's going to be, like you said, there's going to be a ton of opportunity. And the other problem is the Bengals, dude. You can you just got to give them eye candy. And what I mean by eye candy is it's just the sleight of hand. Like, hey, here's a ghost motion jet sweep look here. Oh, hey, here's a play action fake the other side. Oh no, we're going here. We're going there. Oh, it's right there. Like the shovel pass type of, you know, thing that you do, or it's just got three different reads for everybody. The Bengals really struggle when they have more than one thing to kind of monitor and keep tabs on They're They're kind of, they're kind of like me. They gotta be locked in on one thing. Cause if they're looking at two or three different things, they lose their focus and turns into just, just an overload. So I, uh, yeah, the Bengals, I mean, there's it's Andy reading them are so good at misdirection that I think there's a lot of opportunity to really overwhelm the Bengals in multiple times and in, in a lot of different formations and ways that I, I think they can really, really crush them. Cause like there was one man where they ran, they're in a, they're in a play action boot off of it. And, you know, they, or they ran a play action off of it and, you know, running back goes this way, you know, tight end pulls across and then they just leave Mark Andrews wide open on a free release down the seam. And, you know, it's just, it's like, it's like, okay, well, apparently covering their uh, most important uh, receiver wasn't a high priority in that zone coverage. So, you know, but, but they'd bitten on that run so hard and like, they just left themselves so flat footed that it was just wide open until the safety caught up to it about 15, 25 yards later. So it, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of the chief strengths that they do that they can exploit in the Bengals defense. Yeah. And when you look at some of the elite quarterbacks they have faced this year, um, they've all feasted. I mean, Justin Herbert had three seventeen and three touchdowns. Um, you know, I mean, Lamar Jackson had 257 yards passing, which is a, a monster game for him. Kirk cousins is having a pretty good year. Went for three fifty one and two touchdowns. Roethlisberger had three eighteen and a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers went for three forty four and two touchdowns. I mean, when, when they face elite quarterbacks, um, you know, I mean, they, they tend to get got in the passing game. Oh yeah. They, like I said, they leave themselves open. There's so much that they're going to have to, 
that I think they're going to have to invest in in that secondary long term to really become what they want to. The, I, I think long term, the Bengals are going to have to invest in secondary. They're going to have to invest in a lot more pass rush. And then they're going to have to invest in a better offensive line collectively. And like, until they get those, like they're, they're going to, they're going to still be behind where the bills are, where the Titans are, where the chiefs and the chargers are, you know, so that those are the areas they're going to have to focus on to try to be able to get up to that level. I mean, is there a possibility that they could beat the chiefs on Sunday? They sure can, man. It's any given Sunday. Like it's certainly possible, but I'm just saying for the long-term haul of what they're trying to do about winning a championship and getting the playoffs and winning playoff games like that, that's long-term what they're going to have to address. And look, I know everybody, you know, you focus on, you know, Joe Burrow threw for 525 last week, but if you look at the, what Baltimore was trotting out in that secondary because of injuries and illness and the things that they've been dealing with on that roster, you know, he did it against a JV defense. You know, this is a, this is a Bengals offense that put up 15 in a win against Denver at Denver the week before they put up 23 in an overtime loss to San Francisco. They put up 22 in a loss to the chargers, um, you know, and then you got to go back to, you know, November 28th before they had another game that was even comparable to what they did last week. And that was against Pittsburgh, you know, coming out of the bye. Um, you know, and we saw what the chiefs did to Pittsburgh. They could have put up 50 if they wanted to last week. So, um, I don't think that this is by any stretch of the imagination, a dominant offense yet. Um, as far as the chiefs though, look, I I'd be shocked at this point. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire missed practice Wednesday and Thursday. Um, it, it would probably be surprising. I think at this point, if he were available Sunday, but with Daryl Williams and, and Derek Gore, I mean, you know, you, you feel, do you feel any different than if Clyde Edwards, Hilaire was available? No, I personally don't. Um, I just don't think Clyde moves the, uh, I don't feel like Clyde moves the needle very much right now. I mean, this is kind of the reality where he's at. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what he's able to do in 2022, but it just, he hasn't, he hasn't really progressed this year and he's still got issues with vision and finding cutback lanes and, you know, these struggles of speed right now and acceleration. So, I mean, there's, you know, the once, once he got hurt in that saints game last year and he had the hip and, and the knees and the ankle issue that he's had over the past, you know, year, year and a half or so, like, it's just what bur- he was at the razor's edge with the burst that he had before or the athletic ability they had and the speed that he had. And since that saints injury, it's just, he hasn't been able to reach back to that level. So I, I personally have concerns about like what he's going to be going forward as a running back. And if he's ever going to be able to recapture any of what he was at LSU speed wise. And to this point, I, I just don't know. And I mean, unfortunately, I mean, it seems like he's got an injury every five games. So, I mean, that's going to be another problem down the road that continues to happen, but what they can do is they can bump up Elijah McGuire from the practice squad. Like, you know, make, make Clyde inactive. Elijah McGuire comes up from the practice squad I would probably give Jarek McKinnon, still give him two more weeks. You know, maybe maybe he gets in the Broncos game if they play that one or, you know, you kind of practice him for the next couple of weeks and he just may not get into the playoffs. But the Chiefs were smart to give themselves that chance by, you know, designating him for a return from IR. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll see. I just I think it's going to be really tough for the Chiefs to effectively run the ball no matter who's back there. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Edward Solaire and, and you know, the one thing he was supposed to be able to do was, you know, be effective in space, like make guys miss, you know, when he gets those one-on-one opportunities, whether it's on the edge or, you know, whether it's at the second level, things like that. But as we've talked about, like you put it up, you know, put up a, a clip from the game film uh, in your, you know, your game plan that you can find again at Jacob 71 on Twitter, where there is literally a cutback lane that you could drive a, an 18 wheeler through. And instead he goes, he sticks play side and just runs into a pile and, you know, and people want to quibble with, well, it could have been a four yard gain instead of a two yard gain. If Andrew Wiley doesn't miss the reach block, but the bottom line is if he cuts it back, it's a one-on-one opportunity with no one else within five yards on a linebacker. That's what he's supposed to do, right? Like he's supposed to be able to see that get that one-on-one opportunity, stitch the dude for a clown suit and get 15 or 20 yards downfield. Like that's why you drafted him in the first round. He hasn't shown the ability to, to do that for whatever reason so far in his NFL career. 
Yeah, there's a lot of running backs, dude. Like, like I mean, Derrick Henry, if he saw that, Dalvin oh, Cook, oh, if he saw that, yeah, Dalvin Cook would just start smiling immediately. He's like, all right, all right, cut. Those oh, is- right, Le'Veon Bell in his prime, guys like that. I mean, they made it. They 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 made millions of dollars by being able to to see that cutback lane, like like make a linebacker miss and like set sail. Yeah. I mean, setting sales is going to be a problem for Clyde for a while. So, <laughs> yeah, well, and that's just, it is what it is. Look, can, can Daryl do it? Not, not really either. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Gore, you know, Gore may be your best, best, but, and that's not to say that, <clears throat> look, they've, they've, the Chiefs have won eight games in a row with, with some combination of these guys running the football. Obviously, they can win. You know, Daryl Williams has shown that he's an effective guy in the passing game, which, Again, you know, I mean, he, that could be a, a big factor this week if he's the number one guy. I mean, we've seen what he can do in the passing game. We saw what Derek Gore can do in the passing game with that 50-yard reception last week against the Steelers. I think those opportunities are all there. I, I just, you know, I agree with you. I don't think they miss a whole lot uh, if Clyde edwards hilaires not in there. I mean, if he is great, like, I, I think he's marginally better than the other two guys, but I, I don't think it's not, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't change your game plan or change what you think this team's capable of. Well, and with the way his shoulder got smashed into the ground like that, you, you, don't, you, don't, even, yeah. you don't even, you don't even want him taking hits like right. that. You just want him to get healthy for the playoffs and hope you can kind of give him enough rest over that time that maybe he finds a little bit more of that speed come playoffs. Hey, that's sounds, yeah. You know, you, you, you give him, you know, you, you get some help from the dolphins. You beat the Bengals. <clears throat> and then everybody gets at least, you know, gets two weeks off before, you know, you host a division game. And, uh, and that's, that's good all around for all the guys. I think I agree. That's what I'm rooting for Todd. <laughs> Joe Burrow, man. Um, look, number one overall pick. I, I think you and I both like him. Is, is he in terms of the quarterbacks under say 26, I think you and I would both say Patrick Mahomes is the top guy, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think you and I both like Justin Herbert a lot uh, as no. the number two guy. Is Burrow number three? He is for me. Yeah, Burrow has a lot of... I love his moxie, man. He's got a lot of Mahomes and Herbert in him. And what I mean by that is he's willing to he's willing to test it and throw in those tight windows. He trusts his receivers. He's willing to, he's willing to test his limits and... Like he, he's not, he's got a fearlessness to where he's willing to push the ball downfield. And like, that's kind of what the Bengals offense has really revolved around is that they, that they, they want to go vertical. They want to hit, you know, deep outs. They want to hit the deep crossers. Like they want to stretch the field and they want to push the ball down the field. And that's, that's what Zach Taylor's really, really trying to create there. And with the receivers they have, they're able to do that. And they they have they have guys they have so many guys at every skill spot that they're able to make it happen. It's just it's been funny kind of watching the Chargers and the Bengals because, in my opinion, they have better receivers than the Chiefs do. They have you know they have better collective, um, I I would say skill positions, whether it's at running back or at receiver. And but the Chiefs have a better interior offensive line, you know, and the Chiefs have. The, you know, the, one of the best tight ends in the league and one of the best receivers. But, like, it, it, it's, you know, everybody says that, well, Patrick Mahomes has, you know, he's got Hill and Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, you know, Justin Herbert's got, got you know, three three or four great wide receivers. And Keenan Allen, and Mike Austin Williams. Eckler. Yeah, you know what I mean? You know, and, and Josh oh, Jackson, Josh Jackson's no slouch. Well, and then, I, and then if Josh, Josh Jackson was on the Chiefs, he's the best running back on the team. Yeah, anybody on the Chargers running back squad is the best <laughs> on the Chiefs right now. Anybody on the Bengals running back squad is the best on the Chiefs right now. Like, I mean, you know, but it's just funny. Like, they, they hold Mahomes to, like, this, this standard that he has to be Superman because it's half a billion dollars. But, like, Herbert has more help and Burrow has more help. And, you know, they wow, they're they're fantastic. Like, it just it's just funny kind of the double standard sometimes for – the quarterbacks, you know, but in this league, man, like you need three to four quality wide receivers, like yeah. in this league, I mean, to get the ball out quickly and to play the seven on seven style and that type of stuff, like you need skill sets at every position. Cause it's all about matchups. So if there's a day where Mahomes has like a, just a plethora of receivers and running backs, like the league's not stopping it. 
Like yeah. that's the reality. Like, so, I mean, people should be thankful that Mahomes only has Hill and Kelsey. Cause if they're able to find a couple more in the next year or two, it's going to be a real problem. Let me ask who scares you more T Higgins or uh, Jamar chase. Jamar chase is much more athletic and can be a more dynamic receiver. And I think he's going to cause the chiefs a lot more fits than I'm hoping for. Uh, ironically, you know, I'm going to say this right now. He is on my fantasy team this week, but I am rooting for his <laughs> failure. Um, I do that. And I'm, Are you I'm starting so, him? I'm Are unselfish you like him? that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll be rooting for his failure. Um, but like T Higgins, man, like, I mean, like just watching him and watching the past five games they played. My gosh, I wish he was the chief's ex receiver. Like just how smooth he is and just how, how much he can do a jump ball and contested catches. Like Mahomes would have so much fun with him and the chief's offense would have so much fun with him. So it's kind of a bummer to watch that and be like, Oh, that's what could be at the ex receiver position with a young guy like that in his prime. And like, you know, but yeah, Jamar's Jamar's a little bit more dynamic. He's not, He's not at the CD lamb level, but he's close. And like when you're comparing the receivers overall, T Higgins, if you're comparing them to, to the chargers receivers, T Higgins is the Mike Williams of their group. Um, Jamar chase is the Keenan Allen of their group. Very versatile, both inside and out. And then Boyd is kind of a blend of uh, Palmer and Guyton. So they, they have, it's just, it's, it, it, it just felt like that's that Spider-Man meme. Whenever I was watching the Bengals play the chargers, and I'm like, you guys are like the same team on offense, yeah. man. No, I was going to say, I mean, does that help or hurt the chiefs that they just played the chargers two weeks ago? That's a team that's in their division. They scheme for regularly. Like <laughs> they have a pretty good idea of what's coming and a pretty good idea of, of, the quality of personnel they're going to face because they face it twice a year. Right. And, and that's where I think it's going to help this chief's defense in some regards. And I think that's where the Bengals are honestly going to pull a lot of stuff that they're going to test. Okay. In this circumstance and situation, they did this. So for example, and Daniel Sorensen batted down that pass on fourth and short near the goal line, like the Bengals are going to mark that down because they run some of those trips formations and they try to run like guy. I put one on Twitter where they ran uh they ran two pick routes in a in a in a inside dig with Higgins and like Burrow just put too much air on it and lofted it over the six four receivers arm and yeah. you know, arm arm span. I'm like, good God, man, where'd you put that thing? Um, but like there's yeah, now there's they're gonna take a lot of what the Chargers did. And so if you're wanting to see how a game could go, it honestly, I think it's gonna go in terms of how they're going to try to attack, I think it's going to be a lot like the Chiefs versus Chargers. But I'm yeah, saying that in terms of Bengals offense versus Chiefs, defense. yeah. But the yeah. Bengals have a significantly worse offensive line, and they they have some tendencies with their bunch formation and their empty sets that the, that Spagnuolo can have a lot of fun and really disrupt it more because Burrow Burrow doesn't have the same calm, cool demeanor that Herbert does. Herbert is really, really impressive when he's going against pressure and Burrow's just not there at this time to where the chiefs can rattle Burrow some and really cause some problems. But you don't think the chiefs have to do a lot of zero blitzing or, or no, you know, take a lot of gambles against this, this team. Do you No, you only have to bring five. You do not have to bring any more than that. You can do it. The chiefs could do it with their front four. They're going to have to do some, you know, some twists, some games, things of that nature. They're going to have to do some of that. But if they want to only, you don't have to bring more than five against their against their offensive line. Like the, there was a couple of times where teams only brought three and still got to Burrow. Like I mean, you know, like it's just there's certain things you have to take away over the middle that he wants to go to whenever he's getting nervous. And if you take those away, man, he he if he can't get to Higgins quick enough on a deep pass or if Jamar's ta- Jamar Chase or Boyd are taken away over the middle, and then especially. When some of the teams were sneaky about this, they would show six. And so you're having to count for all six of them. Then one of those backers would immediately go with the running back once he drifted out. So that check down's taken away. And then they only brought the, they bring the linebacker from the other side. And then, you know, they delayed them. So then they had a free shot at Burrow. So it, you know, there's, there's a, there's just, I put a lot about how to be able to attack Burrow on the KC game plan, uh, hashtag the KC game plan on Twitter. So you can visually see what I'm talking about on some of these things, but man, there is a, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for what the chief strengths are on both sides of the ball to attack the Bengals and to win comfortably. Yeah.
I mean, turnovers, the one thing that could, could neutralize the chiefs uh, in this one. If, you know, if they get some of those fluky plays, you feel like that could turn the tide, the Bengals favor. It, it could. I mean, that, or is that, there anything else that you would point to? No, I mean that, that costs the Steelers in a couple, that cost the Steelers a little bit. And then that cost the Bengals when they played the chargers. So, I mean, those games turn pretty quickly based on some, some unique turnovers that happened. Cause there was one play whenever the, whenever the, uh, the Bengals are taking on the Chargers. Jamar Chase can go in for like a 40, 50 yard touchdown. Um, he's open on it. And I mean, he catches it and then somehow he bobbles it and it bobbles right back to the defensive back for the interception. Yeah. So it went from being like a, a potential 50 yard touchdown to, you know, turnover. So yeah, I mean, turnovers is going to be the equalizer in a lot of regard, but I'm telling you, man, if the chiefs are somehow some way able to run the ball really effectively against the Bengals, that's going to put them in a pure panic mode. So, like, I mean, I will tip my cap if the Chiefs are able to to just crush them in the run. Like that, I'm not I, I'm not going to pretend that wouldn't be fun as heck to see. So, I hope they can make something happen on that. Well, and as we all know, Creed is good, and Trey Smith has more pancakes than an IHOP. So, uh, I had not I, heard that. I had not heard that second one. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a pretty standard one. But I feel like they've they've got some opportunities to move some guys uh, if they want to try to run between the tackles. So. Yes, they, they have the interior offensive line to be able to do it. Um, bottom line it for me. I mean, are, are we are we happy on Sunday? Are, are we looking at two weeks off for the for the starters? I sure hope so. I think that, I mean, at least from the Chiefs Is it going to be 71 nothing? I'm not taking the bait. <laughs> I'm not taking it. I you thought it about 71. it longer than you normally do, though. <laughs> I know. I hesitated on that one because you used the number 71, which is a, which is one of the best numbers ever made. Right. I know that. I, I don't. Remember, I, I I apologize because I don't know. I don't remember who to give credit for uh, on Twitter about it. Um, but uh, that was a, a suggestion from from one of our loyal listeners that I instead of 77 nothing, I suggest 71 nothing. And I might have a better chance at getting you to bite. Almost did, dude. You almost had me there. You just <laughs> said the word. You said the number seventy-one, and I, I had to. I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> um, one thing I do want to ask, like the Matt House news. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he's look. He, he's done a good job getting some young linebackers up to speed as the linebackers coach since coming from Kentucky. Willie Gay has developed nicely. Uh, Nick Bolton has played well. Um, you know, I mean, where do you, you know, where do you feel like, or do you feel like this, this is going to hurt a little bit to lose him or, or, uh, you know, is it one of those you're not too, too worried about it? Well, I think, I think the biggest part of it is that he came here in my opinion to like, try to become a defensive coordinator, like whether it was, whether it's long-term in Kansas city or in somewhere else in the NFL, like I think he wanted to be an NFL linebackers coach on his, re- you know, on his resume with the Chiefs and be able to do it prominently for like he did with the Super, you know, have a Super Bowl under his belt now. You know, he accomplished something a lot of position coaches for twenty some years don't get to. So like he's he can say he's been to the mountaintop before and he knows what it's like to win a, a AFC championship and you know Lombardi Trophy. So in that regard, like I mean, there's there's not. I mean, winning more of them, you do that. But I mean, you know, you've, you've, you've tasted that, that, that victory that a lot of people don't get to that, that are in the league for decades. So I I think going to LSU is going to be very prominent for him. And I mean, every, I think every coach has the ambition of, of, if not being a defense or offensive coordinator someday, like they want to be a head coach, you know, and like, there's a certain steps you take to get to that. And I think for Matt house, I think going to somewhere as prominent as LSU in the SEC you know, it's, it's a huge step up from where he was in Kentucky before, you know, he came to Kansas city. So if he's able to do a really good job with Brian Kelly, like I think he probably thinks that that can either get him a head coaching job, whether it's in college or, you know, could get him a coordinator job in the league again in the NFL, and then maybe a head coaching job someday. So, and I think, and I personally think Brendan Daly, the defensive line coach has those aspirations of becoming a defensive coordinator someday. So, I mean, this is kind of the chiefs are at a point where they've had so much success that, I think there's a lot of guys who have a lot of ambition to move on up and this is going to be their opportunities to, to do this, you know, after, after the season and maybe after next season, depending on what their contracts are. So I, I think there's a lot of people that are going to have to make some decisions about what can help them advance their careers. I mean, 
uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention how good Dorian or Daniel looked at the end of the Pittsburgh Steelers game under Matt House's tutelage as well. Oh, Todd. <laughs> oh, Todd. Here's the, uh, was that a good enough softball? Oh, <laughs> Todd. Todd just likes to hear me rant. Like, I mean, look, I, uh, all right, fine. I'm going to rant. Forget it. <laughs> like, it's going to be what it's going to be. Look, here's, here's the reality. Like, I know Dorian O'Daniel is an athletic linebacker. Totally get that. Totally get that. But here's the thing. The, the Chiefs coaching staff, I don't know if you know this, but they've been to three consecutive AFC championships. Like, you know, and, and, they've, and, and <laughs> yeah, you definitely did. And they've been to two Super Bowls. You know, back to back, and we'll see what happens this year if they can add on to that resume. But I mean, the reality of it is, is like they know what it takes to win in this league. They know what it takes to get to the mountaintop. It took more than Patrick Mahomes to get to the mountaintop. There was times where the Chiefs' defense this season was carrying Patrick Mahomes and that offense. And that's not a slide on Patrick. That's not. That's not to insult Patrick. Like this franchise isn't where it is without Patrick Mahomes. I like. I mean, I get the parameters of everything, but I mean, Dorian O'Daniel playing in the fourth quarter for a handful of snaps. I mean, I'm sorry. I know he's an athletic linebacker, but there's a reason he's playing in the fourth quarter when the game's already decided. Like, I, I just it just kind of mind boggles me sometimes that people that people um, think that coaches don't like job security, that they don't like receiving paychecks, you know, cause there's a chance Steve Spagnuolo. I know, I know it's more than a chance, but Steve Spagnuolo is making significant money that I would love to make in my lifetime just to retire, you know, from some kind of work down the road. And like, he makes that in a year. And so like, I, if I'm Steve Spagnuolo, I love getting those checks. I love the job security. I love to continue to get those paydays. And I'm not out there trying to play a game of favorites or trying to do this or that and be like, you know what? Dorian O'Daniel may be the better player, but Daniel Sorensen's giving me everything he's got. No, the league is a cutthroat business. That's what people don't seem to realize sometimes. If Dorian O'Daniel gave them a better chance to win and to help their defense when things were falling apart in those first five to six weeks, guess what? They would have put him in in a heartbeat and played him all those snaps just so that they could try to get a spark and try to be able to put it all together. But I, I mean, I get it, but I mean, for me, I mean, Dorian O'Daniel, I expect him to go into free agency next year. And if he comes back, I expect him to be a special teamer. Like he's been before. Like if, if they felt that he was showing enough in practices, whether it's an OTAs or in mini camp or in training camp, when they have hundreds and hundreds of snaps and thousands and thousands of reps over that entire span, if they felt that like he gave them the better chance to win, they would put him in over Sorensen or Ben Neiman in those sub packages. Like, and like, I don't know, Todd, you got any thoughts on this? Because I could go on, but I don't feel like it anymore. Well, I would say that, um, you know, since what week seven, the chiefs have the best scoring defense in the NFL. So I would say that the coaches have, have done a pretty darn good job of getting that defense to play at a high level. Um, you know, I know people want to say that like, Oh, you know, you know, play, you know, coaches have their favorites or whatever, but I mean, they've kept Dorian O'Daniel around. I mean, they obviously like him. I mean, Dave, they, Tobe love, him. they love him on special like Dave Tobe obviously likes him. Right. They like, him. um, you know, I mean, I, I think last year, you know, early in the season when Willie Gay wasn't available, uh, you know, last year when, when, you know, they needed help at linebacker, things like that. Uh, again, you know, when Willie was out for a period of time, like I think if Dorian O'Daniel was the answer um, and they had seen enough from him in practice and, and, and you know, in, in the film room. And, and, and look, they have more eyes on him than, than we do. They know more about what they need from that position. If they felt like he was a potential difference maker on that defense, I don't think there's any way that we would not have seen him over the last three years um, in that situation. Um, you know, it's great that he can make some, you know, some plays, you know, late in games or, or something like that, like you said. But, um, I don't think that he's a future Hall of Fame linebacker um, just because he was able to read one crossing route and make one good play late in a 36-10 blowout. All right, Todd, I feel like we've exhausted all we can on that topic. So <laughs> if you'd like to add us at Jacob71 and at Todd Palmer with uh, your thoughts on the Dorian O'Daniel uh, train that'll be leaving in 15 minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah, so much for that conversation. By the way, um, yeah, I don't know how you feel about Tom Brady um, in general, but... Um, yeah, he made a comment this week about, um, 
you know, if he get he he needs to throw an overhand pass. Like he was embarrassed that he didn't throw an overhand pass with the Lombardi during a boat parade to celebrate a Super Bowl victory. And he said, um, Oh, there he went the train. <laughs> the brakes been cut like they were on the Mahomes Express. No, uh, heck no, man. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, Brady said none of this Patrick Mahomes underhand throw that he always does. I've got a complete one overhand Lombardi toss in a boat parade. Um, do you want to bare knuckle box Tom Brady over that dig at Patrick Mahomes? I do. I want to no. But do I want to see him lose? Um, yeah, love to see him lose. Love to see Tommy lose. Love to see him throw that uh, that tablet on the sidelines like a two goal tantrum. <laughs> love when Philip Rivers comes out in him after a loss. So yeah, no, I'm hoping to see more uh, more losing from Tom Brady. We'll see what happens in the playoffs if they get to have that run against the Packers. And if the they record, even have half their if they even have half their team back from IR by then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, for the record, he did throw the tablet overhand. And I think, ironically, I think the NFL sent a memo saying that he's he's only allowed to throw the tablet underhand on the sideline now, or he'll get fined again. I don't know. He's able to yell at the referee, or able to yell at the sidelines of the referee relentlessly, and they just they just look the other way, and they're like, "I didn't I, see nothing, man." <laughs> listen, I suspect Tommy Brady can afford to buy a new Microsoft Surface. Okay, <laughs> Tommy, Tommy. But no, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to pretend like part of me doesn't want to see like Mahomes just take down Brady in the Super Bowl and just tear his heart out like that. I'd still rather see and at, there, we've had two chances and Mahomes was hurt uh, for the Green Bay game in 2019. And then oh, you're Rogers talking about Ro- you're COVID. talking about Rogers now. Rogers had COVID. I as much as I would love to see you know him like Brady Mahomes again so that he can even up that Super Bowl count. Um, which I think would help down the road when you yeah. start talking about legacy stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I still think um, the the ideal matchup, uh, if if I as you know, in in my NFL loving heart, would be uh, a healthy Green Bay Packers led by Aaron Rodgers against a healthy Kansas City Chiefs led by Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's, what I that's want, the marquee matchup. That's what I wanted to see last year, and I want to see it again this year. Right. And I I also don't think it's an accident that Rodgers just randomly started talking about potentially retiring after this year. I felt yeah. like there was some motivation there. Like, I don't know. I might, might retire, you know, I mean, it's possible. Cause yeah. he can get his teammates to rally and try to try to win one for Rogers. Yeah. I feel like he would be looking for a retirement home and like, I don't know, like the, you know, the Rockies or something like that. That's what, that's what worries me. Oh you're, yeah, no, you're talking about he goes to another team. <laughs> yeah, I, I, gonna... Dude, it does crack me up when people keep saying like they're like, yeah, I really think Aaron Rodgers is going to go to the Cleveland Browns. Like, why would he go to Cleveland? Why would you go to Cleveland for your career? <laughs> if, like, if you're going somewhere, you're going to Denver where it's got nice hey. weather, you got a great defense already. Like, you're gonna you're gonna do that. Or if he really wanted to, if I was him, you know the team I would go to, the Bears. No. Just stick it to him. <laughs> that would be funny, but no. <laughs> he already owns the Bears. I mean, he might as well play. He'd be a team owner, a player owner. <laughs> Can you guess the? Because I think the Packers, if they move on from him, I think they're ta- I think they're going to send him to an AFC team. Personally, uh, probably. But they're they're honestly there's like a team that I genuinely would love to watch him on in the AFC. Can you name that team, Todd Palmer? Um. Oh, I got to think about it. The the Dolphins? No, it's not the Dolphins, but that would be nice weather. Um, no, the Colts. That's <laughs> actually one of the two teams that I I think would actually. It would be smart. I, I just don't. I, I would hate that. Carson I, would, I would absolutely hate that. I haven't looked at Carson Wentz's thing, but I mean, like that's. Like I think the Broncos, I think the Broncos is where he would end up if he's leaving. Right, right. The Packers is simply because I, I generally think he wants to play Mahomes twice a year. Like I oh, think that's I think. one of his driving. I think that's one of his driving factors. Like for him to just randomly say that at some point, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think that would be fantastic. But I, I, I mean, Pittsburgh would be an interesting one. They've got some weapons there that they could utilize that I think would be. Uh, I just don't think the offensive line is going to be ready, and by the time right. he's there, I just don't. 
if I'm him, I don't I don't want to go spend my final years just running for my life yeah. with a young offensive line, especially when the offensive line coach fleed after the Chiefs game. And he's like, I'm going to Oregon. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> so which is it? Is it Denver for you or which is the team you think? Denver's where I think he would end up. But the team I would selfishly love to see him on, even though it, it would not be ideal for the Chiefs, you put Aaron Rodgers with the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Get rid of Ryan Tannehill, put him there with AJ Brown and build up around him with Derrick Henry. I mean, Todd, I'm just gonna tell you right now, that is a uh that's a train I would I would enjoy getting on to watch a show. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'd have to um I mean, obviously they invested in Tannehill, you know, so um and they've had some success, but obviously if you're if you're asking me Am I taking Ryan Tannehill or am I taking Aaron Rodgers? I'm, uh, yeah, that's I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. Um, I feel like Mike Vrabel would be all about the Aaron Rodgers life, right? Um, you know, and, and I, I mean, look, it would cost them fifty-seven thousand. Uh, uh, you know, th- that's the problem. They they he's guaranteed fifty-seven thousand next year, so the dead cap hit makes that uh, probably not possible for next year in terms of getting out of Tannehill's contract. Sorry, oh, 57 Todd. million. 57 million. Did I say thousand? Todd, I want you to listen to me closely. <laughs> the salary cap goes up, but not that much, Nick. So if they traded Ryan Tannehill next year, it'll be 2022. They get 10.2 million in cap space. So like if the Packers want to do a trade for Tannehill for you know, have another guy with Jordan Love, they could do that. And hey, what do you know? Lafleur would know Tannehill pretty well. Yeah, no, he would. I, I, I still, I don't. Uh, um, if I'm Green Bay, I don't have the. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm going to need more than that back, obviously. Oh yeah, no, you give more than that, but I'm but yeah. Derrick Henry running the football at you, and then you know Devontae Adams signs down there in Tennessee to go with AJ Brown then you go get and then Randall Cobb somehow sneaks down to the Titans as well yeah. I do not like Jordy Nelson comes out of retirement <laughs> his buddy Rogers buddy AJ Hawk just shows up there <laughs> yeah. when he does the that he does uh Pat McAfee show with every week I just I'm just saying like I like Vrabel I think Vrabel's the type of coach that Aaron Rodgers would love to play for. Yeah. Just a ruthless, relentless guy like that. Um, that would be interesting. And then, I mean, when in looking at the coaching search right now, we really haven't heard, you know, Eric Bieniemy's name yet in the first week that I think a lot of people thought. It seemed like he's been, hasn't been talked about as much as I anticipated people talking about it. No, and look, I mean, you know, he's interviewed for seven jobs and didn't get any of them. And my guess is that well, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking right. Oh year. yeah. In the last two years, he's interviewed for seven jobs and didn't get any of them. So I'm sure that there's been conversation going around about, about why that is right. Like, like what, you know, what, you know, cause I, I think he was probably close to getting the Texans job, but ultimately they went with a different former Andy Reid assistant and David Coley. And obviously he'd been with the, the Ravens too at that point. But, um, you know, I mean, uh, uh, it, there, there is no buzz about Eric being this time around. Um, As and, of yet. Uh, I mean, we'll see in two weeks, you know, right. I mean, and there, there could be more openings that, that come about. Right. I mean, there's, um, there's a couple other, you know, potential uh, head coaching vacancies that, that are anticipated. Um Probably one in Denver, probably one in Chicago at some point, right? Like, I mean, those are the no, two no, that are I think there's gonna widely be one. speculated. I think there's going to be one in Minnesota. Yeah. Like if, I, if, if I'm if I'm the enemy, the two that I'm kind of keeping tabs on is what happens in Denver, what happens in uh, in Minnesota. Yeah, and then, you know, and then the question, like, if you're Denver, though, and you think you got the Rogers sweepstakes, you also got to consider, like, what kind of coaches Rogers going to want to play for, um, you know? And so um, depending on how you feel about that or, you know, um, you know, that's going to, that's going to whittle, whittle your list down quite a bit if, if you're going to make a run at that route. So, well, and the other thing is, I mean, when you add it up over the past three years and the three hiring cycles, Eric Bieniemy interviewed for 13 teams, like 14 times, but 13 teams. 
So, I mean, because he interviewed with the Jets twice. So, in that so in that time, if you're wanting to look, 2019, he interviewed with the Bucks. Arians got that job. He interviewed with the Jets. Um, he interviewed the Dolphins, and Flores got that job. And then the job he almost got was with the Cincinnati Bengals. It was between, supposedly between him and Zach Taylor for the head coaching job. They chose Taylor. So, I think that may be adding a little extra spice for Bienemy this weekend. Yeah. You know, like some motivation if he can, if he can put it out there and show – you know, like, hey, I, I was better than Zach Taylor. Check this out. So, you know, like, this could be a nice little, nice little twist for Bienemy. And then you look at 2020, Cleveland Browns, that ended up going to uh, Stefanski. Then the Giants, that ended up going to Joe, Joe Judge. Judge. And then the Panthers, that went to Matt Rule. And then now you look at 2021, this past year, Falcons, you know. And then you got the Lions, Chargers, Jaguars, Jets, and Texans. And the Eagles actually requested to interview them. But I think that was more of they already knew who they were going with, but they wanted to request them. So they just did to say that they requested one of their former, you know, players. Yeah. No, I mean it'll it'll be interesting. I, I you know, to I see mean, he's inter- he, at this point, what he's interviewed with at least a third of the league. Right. So that's years. what I'm saying. I mean, we're. I mean, I I I can't say you know why I I I don't know if you're aware. I don't own an NFL team. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, oh. and I don't. I don't well, regularly get to talk to I was going to say, if you did, Todd, why haven't you hired me already? This is unacceptable. <laughs> right, and and, and, and secondly, why are you doing a podcast with me? You don't have to. I'd still, like, no, you if, literally, I, if I owned a you team, you just I would literally still. print dollar bills, man. <laughs> if I, if I owned a team, though, I would still do the podcast with you. Um, we I don't just, believe you. I don't believe um, you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would be like the, the most Jerry Jones-ish um, owner, like in terms of being out there in the media and saying ridiculous so stuff. You'd have a tour bus, you'd drive around. <laughs> right. You think I'm unfiltered now, waiting until I'm a billionaire. <laughs> well, you may not be a billionaire for very long, dude. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, it'll be interesting to see where Eric Bannemi is next year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. To, I'm curious to see how things go for him this off season if he's able to get an opportunity and kind of, kind of go from there. Todd, but I believe this is our last podcast of the 2021 year. Yeah. How are you going to remember 2021, man? I'm not going to pretend it wasn't an ideal year. I mean, look, the Chiefs have done well, but, you know, um, you and I both, you know, losing Therese and then, you know, my mom dealing with cancer and then um, going through that and then my grandpa dealing with cancer. So it, you know, hadn't hadn't been the year that you, you kind of hoped for. Yeah. Well, onward and upward in 2022 for, uh, for all of us, um, you know, I mean, well, and, you know, and a uh, friend of ours, Blair also just got diagnosed with cancer. Right. right. Talk about that. Um, and then, you know, John Madden passing away the other day as well. So, I mean, that was, that was, that, that, that one was a bummer. Cause that like you and I talked about privately now it's kind of publicly with what I'm going to say, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it kind of hit me like, Therese kind of did not necessarily from that, but just kind of, you know, with, with the impact John had on football and how much he loved football and just how he wanted to tell the game and the passion he had for, like, it just, it just kind of rattled my mind. I was like, man, like if Therese and Madden got to like sit down and talk football type of thing like that, that would have been special as well. And, you know, just thinking about like what that type of stuff, just, you know, yeah. Hits yeah, for it, hits me, you a little bit. Yeah, for me, like, you know, with with you know, Madden was 85, right? Therese was 37. And I I couldn't help but think like, you know, if you had given Therese another 40 or 50 years, like what would his legacy have been in the NFL? I mean, I, you know, he's not gonna be a head coach or things like that. I'm not saying it would have been the same thing. Um, although I think a, a Therese Paylor football game. Um, would have been phenomenal for Xbox or something like that, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, I mean, maybe. Um, but I, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, that one um, brought up some some emotion too. I have not, so I, I kind of peaked in my, you know, like 15 years ago um, with my video game playing. Um, like I don't own any of the modern systems, but I did think about firing up. Um, Madden 06 on my PS2, which still works, yeah. um, you know, this week, just, but uh, I haven't yet, but I, I still may. I mean, 
you won't know that there's better versions out there. So, but <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I don't, the roster, you. the roster is definitely not going to have Patrick Mahomes on it. Well, I mean, I, you can create a player. I mean, I can create Patrick. I had created a Vince young after the Rose bowl. Um, you know, so I have a, a quarterback, you know, who's like 99 speed. <laughs> I may have overestimated his passing ability <laughs> and, yeah, and his accuracy potentially. <laughs> right. I, he may have uh, some inflated passing traits. Yeah. <laughs> but how, did you get to watch a Madden documentary yet? I have not got to watch it yet. Um, um, because I've been, uh, dealing with some stuff. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. 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 So yeah, no, it, it's, it's really good. I DVR'd it. So I'll, I'll let you borrow my, um, Oh, I, I've I'll, got 8 million streaming services that apparently have it on right you know, right now. So, okay. Well, I didn't complete that sentence. So if the company's listening right now, um, <laughs> that's right. No, we would never, we would never like, yeah. you know, illegally stream or, or pirate information. That's we don't advocate, um, violating copyright laws. So please FBI leave me alone. <laughs> All right. I didn't go in depth like that to incriminate ourselves even more, but there's Todd totting. That's why you're not going to have to worry about being a billionaire, Todd. <laughs> I did not. I did download songs on Napster when I was in college. I'm sorry. Todd, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me, FBI, for Stop I have talking, sinned, John. <laughs> you know. Um, all right. Um, last last question. Who has more yards? Mahomes or Burrow? I'm really hoping Mahomes. I'm really I, I think it, I personally think it'll be Mahomes. I think it's a more favorable matchup for Mahomes versus the Bengals defense than it is for Burrow versus the Chiefs defense. So I think Mahomes will end up winning that that challenge, but we'll uh like I said, man, we'll see. I mean, it's Thursday. Who knows what can happen in this crazy world right now? But I know it'll be 2022 by the time the Chiefs game hits. Yeah. And uh, and we'll come back with another podcast after that. And uh, we'll see with our next prediction that Patrick Mahomes will throw for at least 526 yards and the Chiefs will win 71. Nothing comes true. Liar. <laughs> Never said that. <laughs> All right. Take care, kids.